Your Brand Radio is brought to you by Idea Chic, social stationery and gifts. Shop online at ideachic.net. Have a store? Contact us for wholesale inquiries. Thank you for listening to Your Brand Radio. I'm your host, David Sandusky. Recently, my wife, Julie, and I completed a rather large decision regarding our brand, Idea Chic. That decision was to leave the Amazon marketplace. We didn't just jump ship on the fly. Our decision was calculated and backed by years of research and trend watching, specifically related to our relationship with our customers. I mentioned some of these details to Erica Oakvik. She's our copywriter and has been busy working on our listings on our website, blog posts, and preparing for some projects moving forward. Long-term, long-time things, and I want her to know everything that's going on with Idea Chic. So when I mentioned our decision to leave Amazon, Erica said, wow, there's a, there's a story here. Tell me more. And we decided, hey, you know what? It'd be a fun idea if I tell you all about it on a podcast. Would you mind interviewing me on your brand radio? She said yes, put together a few questions out of her, her own curiosity and what she wanted to uncover based on our decision to leave Amazon. That's what this podcast is about. I hope you enjoy listening. And if you have some specific questions or commentary uh, at the end, we have instructions and directions about how you can record a message that can help direct some future podcast discussion. You can also communicate with me directly, especially if you want to learn more about Erica. I highly recommend her copywriting skills. Uh, You can go to her website, learn about her creative and professional work at ericaoakvik.com. That's Erica with a K, oak like the tree, V-I-K.com. Feel free to let me know what you think about our decision to leave Amazon and um, enjoy this podcast. Thank you very much. Make it a great day. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm awesome, Erica. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am excited to chat with you this morning um, just about your uh, decision to leave Amazon. And I kind of want to just dive right in. Um, if you could, just could you fill us in on the background of your experience um, with e-commerce before you joined Amazon? Sure. First, um, you, you knew that we left Amazon. I'm curious about your reaction. Did you think that was uh, weird or did, did you, from our brand standpoint, understand? Um, I think at first I was surprised just because I'm, you know, I think most people who shop online have used Amazon. And so um, to me, it felt like a very bold decision. But I think when I reflected on it a little bit more and kind of thought about, um, you know, what you and Julie stand for and what Idea Chic stands for, I was really more so just excited to learn why you made the decision. Um, And so yeah, I'm curious to kind of lean into that even further today. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for doing it. Uh, your, to answer your question, the the e-commerce, my e-commerce background goes back even before Idea Chic. I was starting to uh, to sell services online uh, from the beginning of of um, kind of forum based uh, e-commerce before Facebook created uh, forums, and a lot of things were different at the time. And I was selling. Um, kind of an ebook and a support forum system that was working. This is subscription and some products are going in there and it was pretty cool. 
And then when, at the time, Julie was doing uh, custom wedding invitations exclusively. She still does invitations, but uh, at the time she was doing just wedding invitations until launching Idea Chic. So naturally for me, I wanted to see how can we take these products online? I just, that's where I live and that's, I love the internet and everything about it. And, and, uh, kind of ha- had some vision of what I think things are going to happen. This is a little bit ago now. Uh, so that was fun for Julie to learn that we were going to be selling her products online. And at the time, the first thing and the obvious place to start was Etsy and Etsy.com was, um, you know, it still is obviously a handmade marketplace. And it was a great place for us to start with some, some favors. It was a product that Julie was doing for the wedding industry before. And, uh, she literally just loaded up our love is brewing tea bag favor and, um, it sold like immediately. So that was interesting. And we asked, uh, product photographer to take some good photos of that particular product and it improved. And then all of a sudden it got picked up on a few, um, online blogs and magazines and that sort of thing. And the product took off. So our beginning stages of e-commerce was Etsy. And, um, I like to say and give Etsy a lot of credit because a, a few years later, Julie and I were literally making a living just on Etsy. Uh, it, it allowed me to uh, close the business, which was your brand. We're on your brand radio right now. I was r- running this podcast um, all the way back, you know, 12 years ago <laughs> before uh, most people weren't doing podcasts then. There's only a few of us. And it was part of my business model, what I was doing then. So the ability for me to to shut that down and join Julie full time with a product business it was a dream for both of us. It was amazing. And Etsy gets all the credit. They literally do. Uh, we were on Etsy in 2009, and I didn't even open our own shop on Shopify and our own standalone website and e-commerce site in 2012, if you can believe that. Wow. And um, I was kind of moonlighting with a few things during that period of time. It was 2013, frankly, that uh, I was full-time with Julie with everything. So it's part of our time frame. Um, then a few years later... Amazon decides they want to uh, launch what at the time people were were pegging as the Etsy killer. It's called Etsy, uh, Handmade at Amazon. And uh, I was contacted by somebody at Amazon uh, to be part of the beta. So they contacted us before anyone knew that Amazon was was going to be launching this marketplace. And we got involved very early on. And at the time, the decision was uh, absolutely, let's, let's take a look at this marketplaces, as I just described, as is, uh, I think an important part of the future and is working for us. And, um, there you go. That's how we kind of started online leading right up to launching on Amazon. That's awesome. So, um, it sounds like you had a blend of different, um, maybe online revenue streams before jumping into Amazon between the Etsy and the website that you created for idea chic after. So, Amazon was going to be kind of mixed in and that's a really cool like launch pad. I think it was an additional channel and and I'm a, I call myself a channel operations and I'm always looking for all the different ways to distribute our products. And at the time, you know, our line was a lot smaller than it is now and we keep growing as we go. But uh, you know, that was definitely an interesting experience to, to launch on the beast, the massive, (laughs) 
Amazon marketplace and see what happens. Sure. And so I'm curious when um, the Amazon rep or, or whoever it was reached out to you, what were the benefits that drew you in? Um, was there anything that really stood out to you about making this decision or was it just kind of a no brainer? It wasn't a no brainer, but it was interesting dialogue that we had, Julie and I together and, and with some other people. I'll never forget. We happened to be at a, um, a junior league holiday mart that year. We, we used to be, and we will again um, sell at this junior league holiday mart in Denver. And we knew some other sellers that were there that were doing well. They were kind of expanding outside of, of Etsy too. They had space like we did. They were manufacturing kind of small batch and were doing different things. And they were anti. They said, no way. We're not getting on Amazon because, you know, this is 2012. They're saying, I think they're going to copy our product if it does well, which was very insightful because that started happening with, with uh, other larger brands. So um, we didn't feel that way. We thought, you know, copying is something that you shouldn't be afraid of as a brand. Um, you know, you ought to continue innovating and, and beat the competition with customer service, great products, and, and all these things that are hard to copy. Mm -hmm. uh, but th that was part of our dialogue with some people that we knew. That's why it wasn't a no-brainer. But for me, I thought that, you know, getting on a marketplace that we buy regularly, both as consumers and for B2B, you know, we buy supplies there from other uh, American manufactured products that we use today and we still do, but the ability to, to participate in that, that um, marketplace was obviously significant. And the pitch, which really got us in was, Hey, handmade at Amazon is going to allow you to put your line on Amazon in a different platform. So it's not like the way everybody else loads their products. And um, I tinkered with Amazon before, wondering if we were going to load some of IdeaChic products on there prior to Handmade at Amazon. And I didn't because it was challenging for a small brand like us without a SKU system in place and some other factors that are important to selling on Amazon specifically. So their ability to let brands like us come in and load our line uh, without the the limitations that I had before was significant. They also didn't charge us. We didn't have a, a, the monthly fee that everybody else has on Amazon. So when you really look at the math and you look at your margins selling on a marketplace like Amazon, there's your fees, uh, which are steep. There's your monthly fees, which is not that steep, but everyone has to really look at, am I selling or am I not really selling it? Cause you got to get into a volume play over there. If you're going to make any money on Amazon, I was willing to take that risk. Cause I thought, just based on the volume we were selling on, on Etsy at the time that uh, with such a higher percentage of, of buyers on Amazon, that that should equal success. So we did it and we went through it and we had a, an account manager, which was interesting. We all did. We all had uh, somebody that helped us. Um, and it was important because Amazon was doing something they've never done before. Uh, Handmade and Amazon is actually a pretty unique marketplace that a lot of people aren't familiar with from both sides of the fence. So having somebody to help us was interesting. And then of course they got feedback from us as well. So it was a, it was a good relationship. Uh, they listened to what we had to say. They supported the, the small emerging brands and it was definitely a good thing. So uh, I signed up, I loaded up the products, we started selling and everything that I thought was part of that decision turned out to be true and good. That's awesome. And so 
Um, that was back in 2012, correct? No, that was 2016. Okay, so there had been yeah, some. 2000... Time... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, two... no, I'm just just to confirm those dates. 2012 was when we started our Shopify site, ideashik.net. Okay. Etsy okay. on 2009, which is when we launched the business, and then um, handmade at Amazon in 2016. Okay. So um, you launched in 2016 on Handmade with Amazon. And kind of walk us through what the last few years looked like. Um, what kind of um, anecdotes or, you know, was how was it different when you were on the other side as an official vendor? Did it differ at all? It differed um, mostly because of Prime. So when we were able, we weren't right away. We, you had to qualify uh, with a lot of the matrix and Amazon is phenomenal at this. They tell you when you're ready <laughs> and they let us know that we're ready to go. And it was a um, an interesting shift for us to get our products into the warehouses. And it wound up being the number one reason we were there. Um, I was looking to expand our space and the costs associated to to having a you know mini warehouse somewhere with our products shipping out compared to having Amazon do it in their fees was it's like you do it on Amazon if you can. Um, so that was my thinking at the time. And Prime was a, a very effective way, especially during Christmas. There's no way we would have gotten our orders out without the support and help of the Prime warehouses. So the ability to get in there was the big difference. And I was very excited about it because if, if you can believe this, um, prior to Handmade and Amazon, uh, I pitched Etsy to do a fulfillment and distribution regional warehouse system. Um, they never responded. I was, I was basically telling them Prime. I didn't know what Prime existed yet. It was happening, but the general public wasn't aware of this thing yet. So when, when I saw what was going on with Prime and then had the ability to get involved, I was literally doing what I wanted Etsy to do for those of us that were outgrowing kind of the Etsy seller um, tag those of us that were larger and growing and hiring people and had space and that sort of thing uh, i thought it'd be awesome if we had a place where we can have etsy start helping helping us with this kind of distribution and have a shared employee uh, system in place so once amazon offered this and we had the ability to get in um, i dropped it with etsy because here it is and i thought that was going to be what killed etsy i thought at the time all the top sellers, you know, the top probably 10%, 15% of sellers on Etsy um, are going to wind up going to Amazon, specifically handmade at Amazon because of Prime. So that was, to answer your question, the very beginning of an incredibly significant difference that Amazon offered that no one else did at the time. So did, I'm curious, and uh, do you know if Etsy ever did adopt a two-day shipping or kind of prime equivalent down the road or? No, um, they were going down a path that was interesting. They had at the time something called Etsy Wholesale that a lot of people aren't familiar with. They were the first to create a B2B wholesale marketplace that is now there's um, on top of my head, there's probably five um, wholesale marketplaces that are geared specifically to to brands like ours, like Idea Chic, And they're kind of retailers that are looking for for lines like ours that range from small mom pop to, you know, like anthropology and, and places like that. And that list is growing and growing. The size of the retailers is growing. 
Um, by the way, big mistake. Uh, Etsy shut that down. They shut down Etsy wholesale. And um, yeah, I think that that's something they should have kept. It was one of the one of the first initiatives of, of focus that the the new CEO at the time, uh, Silverman created is getting rid of that. I tell that story because I thought that was going down that same path of the ability to to start tapping into uh, small emerging brands like us that need help with distribution of volume. So when you're shipping a lot of greeting cards, for instance, as we're doing uh, enough where you need some third party support somewhere to help you get these things out. I thought this was going to draw that in because now I can see our products loaded up in a, in a warehouse somewhere that uh, has employees that Etsy is paying and we're paying into that, that system that is prime. And now today you see uh, some other examples with the micro fulfillment happening, including in the B2B world a place called fair fair wholesale is like Etsy wholesale it is the same companies that are in there. I think they started, they succeeded because Etsy wholesale closed. Otherwise, I'm not, I'm not even sure some of these companies would have the success they're having. They're opening warehouses, they're stocking product, and something's going to happen. Shopify is doing the same thing. They're opening warehouses, they're stocking product. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but you see multiple examples now of something that looks like Prime. Etsy could have been the first to be not Amazon creating this kind of environment. And they decided against it. Now it's happening all over the place. Wow. So, so I'm curious, um, it sounds like Prime was a good thing for Idea Chic. And um, I'm curious what happened or what was kind of the tipping point that started making you rethink the relationship? It was uh, two Christmases ago when we realized we were shipping faster than Amazon. And we are getting the, the feedback from our customers um, in our reviews, and we still do. It's amazing how often somebody says in a review, ships fast. You know, that's something Amazon created, right? Yep. Is the expectation from all of us and the consumers. We expect these things in, in two days. So when IdeaChic had the ability to ship our products right away and, you know, our suppliers of product distribution, you know, the post office, UPS, FedEx are successful at the time in quick delivery. I mean, we saw the difference in all those places and how they were able to move faster. Um, the post office, as an example, uh, stopped the separation between first class and priority mail, where at the time priority mail expectation was two to three days and your first class mail was three to four days and it kind of depended on where the country is going. That got scrapped. So now it's just a wait thing and the speed to delivery didn't matter. It wasn't a differentiator anymore. So we used to select prime, um, excuse me, uh, priority mail with the post office just to get things faster uh, for that expectation. And um, then we didn't have to because the post office was delivering faster. UPS and FedEx are creating different products for uh, lower weight items. And for our direct to consumer products are pretty low weight. Um, you know, with the non-custom things, they get pretty different in, in scope. But that was uh, pretty significant. That year, that Christmas, when we noticed that our delivery time was faster than Prime, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Prime couldn't hold up, couldn't 
keep up with the demand. You know, these were all good problems that Prime had, but the expectations were different. And I don't know if you noticed as a consumer just a few years ago, where all of a sudden it's not two days anymore. The Prime guarantee of two days, I'm not sure if they used the word guarantee, but all of a sudden it was three days. Yeah, I did. I actually did notice that. And it came to a point where I was online ordering um, so much that sometimes if it wasn't two days, I would say to myself, well, I guess I might as well just drive to Target and (laughs) I would kind of actually make decisions based on whether or not that was an option. Because we as consumers, especially here um, in the e-commerce space, have really become accustomed to um, the two-day kind of window for, you know, obviously if it's a specialty item or a custom piece of jewelry or a custom item, we're a a little more flexible, but it it really has become kind of this standard of expectations. So I I definitely resonate with that that story you shared. You mentioned an an interesting thing, Erica, that that your choice became, well, I'm just going to get in the car and drive to you know, you pick the place, Target or whatever the situation is uh, near you. And everyone has their own decision of what that looks like. Is it Target? Is it Walmart? Is it, um, you know, Kroger, like King Supers in our region? What's the place you go to when all of a sudden you need it even faster? And that is when the whole light went on with the big box retailers that they have a an advantage over Amazon at the time. They have physical retail and they can do that last mile faster and that changed a lot of things. But at the time, just to roll back to your question about what happened or what started to happen, you're insightful on this because there's, I mean, we're talking about why did Idea Chic leave Amazon? So there has to be a, a reason. There has to be something that that um, created this decision process. And that was the beginning when Prime all of a sudden was something that we feel like we can do better. And my question to myself and the dialogue that Julie and I would have and with others was what happens when we can't handle the volume anymore? Because that was the benefit of prime getting the product out. So it was literally a, a, I made a pro cons list. I drew a line down the middle of a piece of paper, pro on one side and con on the other. Cause I always write down everything when I'm making a big decision, it gets it out of my head and it helps tremendously. So I wrote the pros and cons list down of of Prime specifically, not Amazon, just Prime. And we came to the conclusion that we would prefer to expand uh, space for product fulfillment and pay for the, the space and the people than pay Amazon to do this. That's a big difference from the reason that we joined in the first place, because that was precisely the benefit. It was just that. I couldn't afford the warehouse space. I couldn't afford the people. And we decided we would prefer to grow space and add people because um, that goes down to one of the reasons I'm doing this in the first place. I want to create a place where we can hire people and create good jobs. I want to pay better than Amazon. I want to have a better work environment than Amazon. And I want to have a career path that they don't have. So that convinced me that we'll take the risk um, we'll, we'll take the hit on the margins so we can create something that we can control, that we can own, and that uh, I can be proud of, uh, even if it's just a few, having some employees that can help us when we get in a bind. So after that Christmas, uh, we pulled out a prime. We took our products out of there and uh, we decided that that's not going to be the benefit it was before. And that was the beginning of a test 
I wanted to see what would happen when our products that sold well in Prime were no longer in Prime. And uh, it took some time. It took the whole year of, um, you know, a lot of the year of 2019 to realize that um, the hit that we took not being in Prime was not significant. In other words, our sales were about the same. And you know, as a as a shopper, as, as all of us do when we're on Amazon, that at the time we used to select Prime. So all the options in your search field for products were in Prime. That was an that's an option Amazon has. So you know you're buying from Prime, you're benefiting from free shipping, and the quick delivery, and all those kind of things. Uh, so that test showed to me that people are not clicking that button. They're not looking for um, sachets, or calendars that are a big seller for us over there. Uh, just from Prime anymore. They allowed us to ship direct and it worked. So I decided at that point, let's turn off the advertising and see what happens. So I stopped advertising in the middle of the year in 2019. And I was curious what was going to happen with our Christmas. Um, on Amazon, our numbers were the same. So now our margins are improving because I figured out how I can do it with shipping and distribution here. And, and, uh, I don't need to advertise on Amazon all of a sudden. I mean, I can, and I can grow the volume from that standpoint, but I decided to test not advertising on Amazon anymore. Uh, guess what happened with our sales? I'm not sure. Did they go up? <laughs> they stayed the same. Stayed the same. Our numbers stayed the same. Our Christmas, uh, the two different years, Christmas before we were in Prime and we were advertising, and then the Christmas at the end of 2019, we were not advertising and we were not in our prime and in, in prime and our numbers were the same. Our sales numbers, our sales volume were uh, st statistically the same. That was fascinating to me. Then fast forward just a few months and um, uh, the pandemic started and I noticed that we were going to have a pretty dramatic uh, increase in sales of garden markers because of Pinterest. Pinterest was telling me this is what people are going to be doing. And uh, we got more garden markers and kind of spring type of sales in Amazon than we ever had, which was very interesting, but so did everything else. Our Etsy sales were up, the sales on our site were up, but the marketplace sales were through the roof and everyone knows it. You look at the stock market, the stock prices of all these companies, anybody that, that um, manages or enables e-commerce is doing very well on Wall Street right now. Um, so that wasn't different and unique to us. That was everyone shopping online because their stores are closed. It was just the percentage of e-commerce going way up. So I didn't pay too much attention to that. And then when things started leveling off, I noticed that um, our numbers were pretty much the same without spending the money on Amazon anymore. Um, it started to really kind of change my thinking from that perspective of what's going on for IdeaChic on Amazon. Yeah, it sounds like it was like a very calculated kind of approach. I appreciate kind of this lever strategy. I see you kind of like opening and shutting levers to see, you know, what would change the margins. And um, I think that's really fascinating. I think it's not necessarily, um, it, it sounds like it wasn't necessarily like a decision to just do an all or nothing exit. You kind of um, played with the different metrics to see what outcome would support the brand the best. That was the, the study of the numbers and the, the tactical part of the decision process. Um, but it's not that simple. 
there was a lot more to the decision as, as you would would gather kind of with your curiosity, as you mentioned before. And when you and I were talking even before doing the podcast, and you're like, whoa, you're leaving Amazon. That's uh, there's something there. What's going on? And the timing is interesting because, you know, some people might think, oh, it's because of uh, it's a cancel culture thing. There's there are people that are leaving Amazon, uh, just like they're leaving, you know, Facebook or whatever the situation because of some views that they have. And that's not it for us. It is something that we've literally been analyzing for two years now. Yeah, I think back to kind of what you were sharing about um, the Christmas two years ago when you started making um, faster deliveries on your own and and really starting to invest in the infrastructure of the brand. Um, Something I've heard you mention before is that you um, always want to keep the brand first. And I was wondering how that kind of, it sounds like keeping the brand first was your North star um, in this decision. And I'm kind of curious if you could lean into that a little bit more and explain what that concept means and, and how it related um, and ultimately led you in this decision. That's a, it's a great question, Erica, because it, it, you're right. It is the North star. So when I define brand, it's something that, that I think the customer defines, not me. What, what I say and what I want people to experience is called marketing, right? When you write the great copy you write for us, it's what we're trying to get out there but the brand is defined by the experience that the user has. And that's why we listen so closely to our customers. And our customer has a a different ability to communicate with us on all our channels. Amazon is the one that feels like just a transaction. There's no brand experience there. I bought it on Amazon and IdeaChic doesn't come up. Our customer doesn't shop our line there. I know this. They buy what they buy. They find it from their search. Uh, they do come back and, and restock or repurchase certain items, but it's not the same. And I know that from uh, a lot of factors. The number one is the average order size on Amazon compared to other places. For instance, if I go back from the beginning of time, uh, not just this year or 2019, but the beginning of time on the platforms we sell, Etsy average order size is $60. And on our site, on ideachic.net, the average order size size is almost 80, but it's like $78. And on Amazon, it's 16. So when I see what people are purchasing and what they're doing with their cart, uh, I know that they aren't participating in what I would hope a customer that cares about a brand would do on Amazon. It's just a transaction. It's a commodity. And everywhere else, I feel like we're establishing a relationship with them. Obviously, if they're on our site and the the data that I get there, but Etsy gives us more information. The consumer gives us more information. So I feel like as we do with our brick and mortar, I feel like they are experiencing idea chic and i can tell this based on dialogue when someone comes in or someone says something like i bought i I found idea chic on etsy i bought from idea chic on etsy Um, that's a different statement than i bought on amazon no one ever talks about idea chic or any other brand on amazon 
they buy based on price, what came up in the in the from the algorithms and the experience based on those things, which especially in Prime is based on what Amazon does and they do it very, very well. But that to me, caring about brand and experience and the payroll that I'm trying to grow and build to control that brand and experience internally as well was really starting to shift my gear uh, away from Amazon. And Etsy doesn't get the same critical eye, even though there's definitely things that are challenging there too from a third party, they own it, they own the information, uh, they own the experience. Um, there's a different experience from our customer. I feel like they're a guest there. I feel like they're a guest on our site. I feel like they're just passing through on Amazon. I totally get that. I, I definitely think there's more intention um, when customers are shopping on Etsy. They know, at least when I use Etsy, it's because I want to support a local artist or like a small independent label, a smaller brand. And I think that with that, it's a consumer that's really trying to spend their money thoughtfully. So I, I definitely see a difference between when I choose to buy something on Amazon or when I choose to buy something on Etsy or in the same way that you do with a big box store versus a local boutique. Um, you know, there's different reasons why a customer goes to either, but I could definitely see um, kind of that more intentional relationship being built in the more um, kind of localized independent spaces. It is intentional. And I recognize that word very specifically and how different it is in different channels. And this starts to open up now as this is different, new and growing with the social commerce too. So it's too early to tell but when you start looking at, um, you know, we have experience with Pinterest. Pinterest was the first to to put our line on there and have consumers have the ability to to shop direct. And then others were doing that, like Facebook through through Instagram and other places. Um, but it's really early because Facebook and and their their um, platforms everywhere that you can sell and everywhere a consumer can explore and and make a transaction is literally changing as you and I are talking here. So it'll be interesting to see where that relationship is in comparison to for a, a line like us, uh, Etsy versus our site versus uh, Amazon for the direct to consumer. And there's going to be a story to tell there. I can, I can see already what happens when we get an order from somebody on um, Instagram for instance, and just to give you a little precursor, right now it feels like more like Amazon than Etsy from a marketplace standpoint. Um, it's interesting. It's too early. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But that's how it's starting to feel for me because I feel like they're just um, exploring differently over there. Um, I, I also don't think that they're exploring yet as they would when they go into a marketplace that is is for shopping. Um, so I'm studying that too, you know, that kind of data and, and it's important. It kind of goes into one of the other elements of what Amazon doesn't provide for us. And, and Facebook is kind of in this line too, where we have products that aren't accepted over there for a particular reason. 
that um, are sell really well on our site and on Etsy. For an example, our our um, lift ticket invitations for weddings and baby showers, that sort of thing. We don't even do those on on Amazon because the communication process is terrible. So that's an example of experience we don't control. But on Etsy, it's amazing. On our site, it's great. And um, through other channels, like the social selling channels, it's going to be great because of what's already in place. But these companies find keywords and bump, bump products out. In that case, that example, it's the word ticket. So they don't allow us to, they don't allow anybody to sell tickets like for a concert on these platforms. So our product gets booted and we can't convince them otherwise. That was one of my problems with Amazon as well. If something gets kicked off the marketplace, what I have to do to show them that not only is it a good seller, but it's not what you think it is, is a fight that you just don't want to have. Oh, yeah, I believe that. And I think from a consumer standpoint, too, you mentioned the communication aspect. Um, something I love about Etsy is how you can just so easily message the uh, product owner or the, the brand manager. And that open line of communication really differentiates, again, going back to that intentional experience of building a relationship, um, it, you know, a fast response time to a question can really seal the deal for me um, sometimes on if I'm between two products. And so, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Something that I'm kind of gathering from your, um, your, your experience in the e-commerce world, it's just how fast it iterates and evolves and changes. And I'm, I'm also kind of curious, is there anything Amazon could do to keep you or bring you back? Um, what kind of changes would you need to see on their end um, to, to kind of make you, or is there anything that would make you kind of consider opening that channel again? Yeah, I'm definitely not a never say never kind of guy. So would we be back on Amazon? I don't know, but it's definitely up to them. And what we just talked about is, is part of it. The, lots, the two points I think that we just made are the top two points it happens to be. So one is the communication platform. Uh, today, we know this, that the consumer wants to ask a question and wants the ability to change something that is readily available. Sometimes it's a quantity. Uh, sometimes they're asking for uh, a price discount on some kind of volume. They want to buy a lot of something. Um, and sometimes it's personalization. So the personalization is incredibly important to the consumer right now. Idea Chic lives in this space because the ability to own the equipment like we do and change something for somebody gives us the ability to say yes. On Amazon, that communication process is terrible. Part of it is the delay. So sometimes it takes you know, a good part of a day before a message is even received on the other end. And we've all moved on by that time. That's how fast everything works. Your point about Etsy on the quick response, that's up to the company. That's up to the brand, the individual running the Etsy store, if they're going to be quick or not. But the other part is the, the tool is there. Etsy, we call it Convo. The Convo tool is phenomenal. It's the best one out there. It's literally why people like to, to interact directly with a, a company on Etsy compared to anywhere else because of that conversation tool over there. 
Um, it doesn't exist on Amazon. So for them to change that would be monumental. And what I mean by that is it it would change their attitude about the relationship their customer and their vendor has. They don't want it. We want it. The customer wants it. So it's not just let's make our conversation system better. That changes everything that Amazon is and how they operate. They want to be a commodity place and sell a lot of everything. But as you see more change in the consumer demanding uh, relationships with brands, um, I think Amazon might eventually start paying attention to this thing through some acquisitions and bring in some different tools that make it possible for brands and customers to to interact with each other. Um, that's a cultural shift for them, though. So I don't quite think it's going to happen. The other piece, and it's related, is uh, with their policies, if, if a product is taken off the marketplace, uh, this is actually a really big deal. This happens to a lot of us. For some reason, something gets taken down. And you don't know why, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's because um, it's been, it's a review. It's something that's, that's been marked as something unsafe or that goes against our policies. And the big one right now that you, you might see if you're kind of out chatting, I'm in some private groups in different areas where there's online sellers talking about this kind of stuff. I know it happens a lot and it's um, with pesticides specifically. Lots of products are pulled off of Amazon because somebody marked it as having pesticides. Um, another reason a product is going to get pulled is um, something like counterfeit and uh, some other issues that Amazon has to police, rightfully so. But the problem is a user, a customer over there um, can mark something in this way deliberately or not and change the course of a product's success. So that's happened to IdeaChic a few times. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of our top selling sachets on there was a was a Amazon Choice. So you know when you're on the marketplace and you see the tag on there that's called Amazon Choice, that means it's sold, it sells well, it's got um, at least four-star reviews and enough reviews to qualify and other factors that that tell Amazon that they can put their name behind the product. You're going to have a good experience with this sachet from this, this company called IdeaChic. So even with those things in place, uh, we've had products pulled because somebody said something about the product. And um, the first time it happened is with one of our, our stationary box sets. It's a collection of, of different uh, cards, greeting cards and stationary in a theme. And we used to sell those pretty well on Amazon. Um, well, we had not one, but two boxes that were pulled off of Amazon uh, because of different reasons. The first time it happened was the first time it happened to us was because the box the, of stationery was marked as a drug item. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. So I get on support with Amazon and it exists, but the, the difference between support for a customer and support for a vendor, they don't see us as a customer, but we are, uh, is a different experience. So what I had to do to prove that that product wasn't a drug item was something I didn't have time for, but I did it the first time and the product was brought back. Then it happened again. 
And I decided I'm not messing with this anymore. And then it happened with another product and I was done. I'm not fighting for these products anymore. So my attitude about a year ago was if all of our top sellers wind up not being on Amazon, then they will effectively be taking us off the marketplace. Sure. So my attitude changed and it was, uh, was something I just didn't want to mess with when my experience and more importantly, our customer experience is better everywhere else. We don't have these weird problems. I don't have to fight with them about whether or not a product is a drug item. It's paper and cotton, right? Yeah, um, so you decide that you don't weird. want to. I'm sorry. I said, that is just so weird. Like it, yeah. it, it makes you wonder, like, I don't know if you were curious or wondering about this, but we're like, am I being targeted? Like what is going on? I mean, I'm paranoid. So that's where my head would go. <laughs> Well, you asked the question because, you know, Idea Chic by no means is is selling enough on Amazon to make a, another um, kind of equivalent size company that is selling a similar c- product decide that they want to take that competitor down. It happens. So I'm not saying that's what happened to Idea Chic, but I don't know why a customer and you have to buy the product in order to be able to do this. So I don't know why we had customers on Amazon mark these products this way. Wow. I don't know how much is happening other than anecdotal by hey, talking to a few people that also sell there and say, yeah, you know, I'm sick of it. My, my product is a rake or something. I don't, you know, whatever is, uh, was pulled because it was um, something. It fits somewhere into these, these protocols. Uh, and the difference on, you know, when, when you're with Shopify or any other place where you own your brand and you get to mo- monitor that, then, then you're doing your own thing. So if you have a problem, if a customer has a problem, then that dialogue is right there. On the marketplaces and why I think consumers prefer marketplaces is there's somebody else that is policing these things. I think um, all of them. I think that's a reason that people buy more on a marketplace than direct to the, the company website right now. They feel trust with Etsy, for instance, because they know that Etsy is a place that they can call if the company selling them the product drops off the face of the earth, that kind of thing, you know? So um, Etsy on in their, just to compliment them, treat the seller really well too. They med- mediate the relationship between the customer and the seller if there's a problem and we've experienced this we've had it we've had an issue before where something didn't arrive it just never was delivered if the customer knew they can just contact us and tell us then we'll we'll take care of them but they decided to open a case and and uh, you know wanted to go down that path and etsy got involved and and they were just as supportive to us as they were to them that's an easy example because we took care of everything but something like that happens on amazon and it's just Nothing. I mean, you need to just take care of the customers. You should anyway. But once in a while, something happens that that uh, you know the customer isn't always right. That kind of category, and it's very interesting to experience how different platforms uh, respond to those scenarios. I want to own it because we want to own the relationship and we want to own up to a problem if something happens. I want to talk to the customer. I want to make everything right, and um, that's hard to do on Amazon. Sure. Wow. There's a lot there to unpack. Um, 
I think I'm curious, I kind of want to go back to something you mentioned um, a little bit ago about the shift in behavior during the pandemic. Um, I feel like my shopping kind of behaviors definitely changed last year. And some of those things I think are here to stay. Like I definitely see the value and pick up for some things or just things that I would have never considered before last year. I'm now kind of, right. just, they're just part of my everyday routine. And so um, what, like, I guess, what changes do you think are here to stay? And um, kind of part two to that question is in your decision to leave Amazon after the pan or not after, but after we've all made these changes um, in our behaviors, what considerations are you um, including moving forward? You don't even realize how deep that question is. Um, it, one of the main reasons we left now is to support the brick and mortar, everything you just said. The, uh, the effort that the local store is doing with the, the um, curbside pickup, e-commerce, you know, all these mom and pop stores now trying to figure out how to sell online and create something unique and different that uh, you can't experience in store so they can sustain that when the floodgates open and, and people start supporting all these small businesses again, which is definitely going to happen. Um, but these retailers know, you know, you go back before the pandemic and you know what, it was tough for them anyway. Margins are tight. Um, a lot of the year, there's just not enough customers. You got to do something different. You have to. And, you know, you've known me for long enough now that I've been saying that anyway, although we started working together during the pandemic. So you'd have to like, think back about some of my philosophy about retail before. And that's what it was. Retailers need to do other things. And e-commerce is part of it. They need to have options for their customers. They need to do different things. So now you see retailers of all sizes with significant differences in the, the way they approach commerce now. Um, you go to a website of a big retailer and you're going to see all kinds of products that aren't on the shelf anymore. They're creating their own marketplace. And as a result, now there's companies that manage the back end of this thing that are recruiting companies like IdeaChic to come in and be part of that. So it's a lot going on that is supporting brick and mortar retail. So I asked myself as part of the whole Amazon conversation, what is most important to us? What do we care the most about as individuals, Julie and me, and as IdeaChic, as, as an emerging brand? And one of them is brick and mortar retail. It is so important to us that these uh, great small stores in the neighborhoods that they are part of thrive, not just survive this part of the the challenge we're all going through with this pandemic, but when it comes out, they have to do better than they did before. So what you are asking and what you're experiencing yourself is going to stick because of that. Because retailers need to offer something different and they want to. Now they've just were forced to and we're fast forwarded a number of years. So the tools are there. The ability for retailers to offer something new is there. And our wholesale business is showing it. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of great stores that that are offering different products. I'll tell you a quick story right now. From there's a there's a great retailer in Jackson, Wyoming called Made. Um, the owner of Made 
owns three other places in Jackson now. So he's got four retail stores. They're all different from each other. He's growing. He's doing great. And one of the things that he implemented was a, he called it the uh, pandemic or a quarantine box. It's mm-hmm. a curated box with stuff right off his own shelf. And he just has the ability to mail now product to visitors because he's in a touristy place, Jackson, Wyoming, ski town, one of the best places to go in the summer too. And he has the ability now to ship product uh, to people all over the country that visited and fell in love with that store. We know they're doing that because we see people tagging us on Instagram stories because our product is part of this thing. I didn't know he was doing it. Now we know he's doing it. There's a lot of retailers that are doing something like this now. Would they have done it in 2019 or even thought about it? No, but they should have. Uh, So these things are going to stick. They're going to get better. And Julie and I want to support that. It is the most important part of of our um, model within IdeaChic is being part of and supporting these retailers. That is the last reason that we left Amazon. We literally left Amazon to support the small business retailers that buy from us, especially the bookstores and the mercantiles and the neighborhood grocery stores, those places. We are on a mission to help them thrive. And uh, leaving Amazon proves it. So at the end of the day, with all the things that we talked about, the real reason that we left Amazon was to support the retailers that buy from us. Wow, that's definitely powerful and encouraging to hear. Um, You know, there's so many gloomy reports about the local economy and about the national economy. And so um, it's really inspiring to hear um, the support that our local community can receive um, in that way. And I think um, that's a really awesome kind of snapshot of where a lot of us are um, in this phase in the pandemic. And I'm speaking just as a consumer, but I am definitely resonate with that message of how can I support my favorite stores, my favorite artists, my favorite um, people, because at the end of the day, we're people, people, and we want to support relationships and support um, those in our community who are doing great things. And so um, I think it really just ties into this shift that a lot of us are seeing, which is a focus on our community and a focus on how can we be better neighbors than we were before this pandemic kind of opened our eyes. I think we're all going to be very pleased with how this local community um, embracing each other and themselves is going to happen. Uh, we were missing it. There was, it was really starting to show its, its, uh, its face there, I think, for a number of years where the convenience of buying from Amazon was literally starting to hurt. And that is a challenge I think is going to go away. And people are going to think I'm crazy for saying it because of the the sheer volume of what happens on Amazon. But I think there's a shift. I think it's happening now and I want to be part of leading it. And Amazon is going to remain a powerhouse and they should be. Um, we buy from them all the time, but it's the commodity. So for the rest of us that are doing something that's different in the experience, it's personalized both in product and in experience um, in communication abilities back and forth and relationship building, 
these things happen with online with companies that put these in place, but it really happens offline. So going into a store and seeing the owner and knowing what it means when you leave and you just made a purchase and that that small business owner and their employees literally cheer inside. It is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I think people are starting to remember and realize that again. Uh, you're going to see it. We're seeing it. I know that our retailers are seeing it, but um, there's a lot of challenge, obviously. So we need to get through this pandemic and um, support and truly show these neighborhoods that we are part of them again. Um, the homes nearby, the stores nearby, the restaurants, um, the whole deal coming together and building community again, I think is going to happen. It's already starting. And um, Idea Sheet can, we're part of that. And I want to make sure that that these stores know that there's makers out there like us that are literally in business to help them. That's so awesome. Um, well, what started out as a e-commerce question bloomed into a awesome discussion about just our entire community, our entire country's shift in behaviors and philosophies. And um, I think it's really awesome and cool to be able to see how these different things connect and kind of um, they all affect one another. And so I just am super appreciative of you taking some time to share your insights with me today. Um, I definitely, you definitely gave me some great food for thought um, with this entire conversation. Erica, I appreciate you interviewing me on your brand radio, which is a podcast that uh, I don't actually do. <laughs> but it's one of the things I started during the pandemic because um, I wanted to get some of these messages out what we're talking about. It's a brand conversation. Our whole conversation for what an hour has been about brand. And that's why I wanted to relaunch this this podcast. But uh, boy, did we get busy and things happened that I did not know. We didn't know anything. No one knew anything. And what I equally didn't know is that we'd be busy and I didn't know what to do with with staff and the ability to to make and, and pack and and ship orders. It, it's still hard. But um, that's why your brand radio wind up getting getting uh, kind of back burnered there. But this is something that I definitely want to bring back and and do on a somewhat regular basis uh, just to talk about customer service and experience and those things. So you're coming on and, and having this conversation with me means the world to me. So I appreciate that. And um, let's let's see what we can do together to you know, keep getting these kind of messages out. Yep. It's all about the story. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. Make it a great day. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> Do you have something to say? Send a recorded message to Your Brand Radio. Simply visit anchor.fm slash yourbrandradio, find the message button, click it, click record, and record a message. Introduce yourself, your website, maybe a LinkedIn profile, and in under a minute, a tip, best practices, or some content you'd like to contribute to a future Your Brand Radio episode. Thank you. Look forward to hearing from you.